Dalek means that you're listening to The Bookworm on FabRadioInternational.com or more likely you're listening to us via Starburst's collection of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Fortune, and I'm here today with... It's Del. Hello, everybody. So, uh, coming up on the show, we have all sorts of fantastic stuff. Um, I am going to be reviewing... Um, the... I completely forgot what I was going to be reviewing. You picked up the wrong book, didn't you? Warlock Holmes, A Study in Brimstone. Yes, that's right. Not Sherlock Holmes, but Warlock Holmes. Warlock Holmes. I'm, I already think that that is possibly the best book that ever existed, isn't it? Oh, I know. Actually, I, 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 spoilers, Del. Spoilers. <laughs> and um, uh, today I'm going to be talking about Rant by Chuck Palahniuk. Now, you might be surprised that, uh, see, producer Al is an Australian. G'day! Uh, <laughs> ah, amazing! Uh, Del is, in fact, going to be in some sort of Denmark. And, uh, yes. And I'm in Scarborough. So, what this is, is he an amazing pre-recorder, as you probably gathered. So, coming up next, due to the miracle of science, the news! So then, book news. Um, I think one of the, the big items at the moment, and it's sort of big and it sort of isn't, it depends on your, your worldview, and you have to be very careful because we are talking about a different publication that isn't Starburst. But um, David Langford uh, no longer has his column in a less popular, less as old, and less as interesting um, science fiction magazine, which I shall not name. Um, his column has been running for a number of years. David Langford, in case you don't know who he is, is pretty much a fan writer. He's a he's a well-respected voice on uh, the subject of sci-fi and sci-fi fiction. He's had his column for a number of years, and he's part of the landscape and the scenery. Now, you could make an argument that you should always be changing um, your your worldview, but to be honest, David Langford's sort of a national treasure, and I find it very interesting that he's no longer being published by uh, a very popular, um, though obviously not as good a Starburst magazine, um, science fiction magazine, and he's pretty much one of the, the few representatives of the fandom that is so old it merely calls itself a fandom in the, the sort of national media. There's not much left going now, um, which is a shame. A lot of it has gone online. You can find a lot of news online about the, this kind of the fandom that is so old it calls itself fandom. Um, the File 770 by uh, Mike Glyer is a good example, and indeed Dave Langford's own website, Ansible, is a very good example of such shenanigans. Um, moving on from that, uh, possibly as swiftly as I can. Um, 
fans have launched yet another book-based popularity award. This one is called the Dragon Awards. Uh, I had no idea what the actual uh, model will be, but uh, Dragon Cornerland is an internationally known pop culture, fantasy and sci-fi and gaming convention has introduced these fan-chosen awards to recognise outstanding achievement in science fiction and fantasy literature. Uh, they're going to include comics, gaming and films. It's yet another popularity award, as we say. Um, it will be interesting to see where they go with this, to be honest. Um, it's more, it's got more broader categories and better defined categories than the Hugos. Uh, some people are seeing it for, for various historical reasons as a kind of rival to the Hugos, but it's new, so, you know, it's not really going to be anything like those Hugo Awards or, you know, anything like the, the more established awards such as the Clark that are already out there. It's a bit of a storm in the teacup, but it'll be interesting to see what the, what fans of Dragon Con, uh, award and always new awards are interesting because they're essentially book lists it's an excuse to get new stuff in and buy new stuff out so that's always nice in other news uh, Cornerstone are to publish Outlander prequel if you don't know what Outlander is it's a gloriously silly um, time travel plus Scotland there's kind of like a, you know kind of idealised kind of Scottish Highlander style story it was a very successful and extremely sexy TV series uh, that ran a while ago uh, season 2 is on its way it should be by the time you hear this it should be available on your digital service um Virgins is a standalone ebook, according to publishers, which will feature all the trademark suspense, adventure, and the history. Uh, the history is in exclamation marks, as far as I'm concerned. Or oh, it's speech marks, even. I'm doing air quotes, which just makes me the sort of person that does air quotes. Um, but will feature a young Jamie Fraser, who is the, the, the kind of very, very attractive and very moody um, Scotsman that the time travelling young lady uh, falls in love with. So, yes. So if you are a fan of Diana Gabaldon's uh, Outlander series, you'll be very excited. And if you're not, then you might have dodged something there, to be quite honest. On the subject of awards, which we were talking about just a moment ago, uh, questions are being asked as to why J.K. Rowling hasn't won a World Fantasy Award, to which I will respond similarly. Can you name me three World Fantasy Award winners without Googling them? I didn't think so. Talking of traditions, those of you who voted in the Hugo Awards, and if you did, we hope you voted for the bookgram, will have noticed that there's been some sort of email hiccup. Uh, we've been assured by the uh, organisers of the current Worldcon, I believe it's Worldcon 74 at this point, um, that that's fine, and your, all your votes have gone through. Uh, obviously, we'll be talking about this later in other episodes about what's going on. Talking of all things event-related, Edgelid 5, which will be in Derby in England on the 16th of July, um, will have confirmed guests of honours of M. John Harrison, Emma Newman and Alastair Reynolds will be there and if you're in the States or are in another part of the world then you probably won't. But please um, get in touch with us via social media, media Radio Bookworm at Radio Bookworm would be a fantastic way to get in touch and tell us about your event as well and we can talk about it and you know, you never know one of these days we might even be able to make it and that's pretty much it for the book news for now uh, we could talk a little bit more about colouring books I suppose but let's be honest that's not exactly good read.
genius. Warlock Holmes is something else. Uh, Warlock Holmes, uh, a study in Boomstone by uh, G.S. Denning, uh, available on Titan Books from, uh, I believe, the middle of May, uh, because, you know, books. So, it's one of those ideas that I is so obvious when someone says, well, why not Sherlock Holmes? Instead of Sherlock Holmes, why not Warlock Holmes? Oh, my goodness, that's so obvious, is it? You know what I mean? Yeah, and especially considering that we already know the format of magicians as investigators works. I know more warlocks and magicians, not necessarily the same thing, but it's it's a workable format. It, it's not Harry Dresden as, a, 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 as Sherlock Holmes, however. Um, it, it's what he's done, uh, what G.S. Denning has done, is they've carefully... Um, taken apart each uh, so the first one is called The Study in Brimstone mm-hmm. rather than The Study in Scarlet uh, and you can see what they've done there and uh, he, with every single kind of it's the early Sherlock Holmes stories that this focuses on so you have this is a wonderful moment with um, when we meet Watson and you know as 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 we know from a study in Scarlet, a friend, a mutual friend, turns up and says, "I've got this deal for you, this fantastic room." But as it turns out, what actually happened um, is is you know Stanford has has been a guest to live with with Warlock, right. so he's like trying to pass the curse on. <laughs> 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 to Watson, a Watson twine because Watson desperately needs something exciting, and Warlock's kind of what all of Warlock's abilities come from his magic. He's a sorcerer. He's not a detective. He's not got the observation. He can do a divination that will give him the clues. The problem with that, of course, is that Victorian Victorian people look at that with horror. You know, completely <laughs> gone. They can buy someone who is able to, you know, ah, from the mud on your shoes, they can detect that, blah, 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 blah. If someone just goes, the prophecy says, then that's a little bit scary. Um, so, so what happens with, with Watson and Holmes is Watson's the, the you know, he's the doctor, the diagnostic guy, the guy who can do the assessment. And they essentially developed this kind of double act, where it's like, so um, from from the colour of their shoes, I suspect he was like, yes, uh, I I can see that it's from here, blah 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 blah. blah. And Warlock is using magic, and um, Watson is using reason, and that mm-hmm. sort of works. Um, there is a twist and a catch, obviously, because all magic has a cost. It's one of the one of the old tropes of magic. All magic has a cost, and Warlock's magic definitely has a series of costs. Um, what they've, what he's done, what Denning has done here is he's taken apart the the early Sherlock stories um, and just made them a little bit left of weird and a little bit right of silly. <laughs> so, uh, Lestrade is a vampire. Interesting. Um, Grogson is an ogre. Excellent. Uh, Grogson. Grogson. Grogson, the ogre. <laughs> I love it. Uh, oh. it, it, it is an ogre. The, all of their cases, the, the, he actually, they actually justify it as well. Um, he describes it as everyone has a thread, everyone has like a line, and he is on the uh, and Warlock Holmes is on the brimstone thread. He's, he's on the brimstone path and so, some people have the gold path where it's all about money some people have you know a heart path which is all about love and so on and people people have different threads in their lives that interweave as they as they progress mm-hmm. um, because Warlock because of the choices that Warlock has made in his youth and we understand that he he was a youth quite some time ago um, 
he is permanently on the brimstone path and therefore most of the cases that come across his his path are going to be supernatural which is a lovely excuse to make all of them scary stories um right. each one of these is a take on as I keep saying as take on a classic one so um I'm just going to quickly flip through the various various story titles and you'll be able to work it out so um a study in Brimstone the adventure of the resident sacrifice <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm intrigued by the idea that there's somebody whose just job it is is to be continually sacrificed <laughs> I, I like that but round up the usual sacrifices isn't that what they basically have in Harrods where someone's job <coughs> was, was to be fired from someone important in case something went wrong uh, the case of the cardboard case oh um, What's, that, what's, what's, the, what's the original of that one? The case of the... What's the original of the card world case, then? Oh, I stopped you. Yeah. Stopped me because I, I, I have no Sherlock Holmes knowledge. It was on the, the tip of my tongue, and now I'm like, ah! Um, it's, it's the case of the... It's something is, isn't it? Uh, the, adventure of, <laughs> the adventure of the yellow bastard. <laughs> Um, Didn't Sin City do that one? Uh, it's, it's, it's actually, <laughs> as soon as you start reading it, you recognise the story, because it's that one where it's like, I have this amazing wife and she does everything for me, but I, I think she's being blackmailed, it's that one. Uh, and, then you go, uh, and then you go, ah, and then Sherlock comes out with, anyway, I'll not spoil the story, but <laughs> it, there's this wonderful kind of reversal from the classic, where right? Sherlock and, and Watson's relationship is reversed. Um, the Adventures of the Eckled and as opposed to the speckled band yeah <laughs> is it northern <laughs> it sounds northern of the eggled well it's, <laughs> it it's sounds northern and eggled and aye eggled and um, oh I'm all about the accents and, and Charles <laughs> yeah, are, Charles Augustus Mil- Charles Augustus Milverton yeah. Soulbinder not blackmailer oh um, Soulbinder Soulbinder so basically, what he's what they, this is great fun. It's very silly in places. Um, they are pop culture references, just spontaneously, basically to make you laugh. There's nice. A bit, the, 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 there is there is that that kind of sci-fi fantasy pop culture reference that's thrown in there at completely. It's a talker version of Gogson. I know. I was just looking at the cover. Sorry. Um, <laughs> the, the, there's a, a you know the pop culture. Going in there just to make you go, and, and it also remind you that this is not at all even slightly serious in concept. Or Good. Um, no. There is an arc plot. There is clearly an arc plot. It starts with a there is an arc plot style style introduction. Um, there is definitely a Moriarty in this, but the way he handles Moriarty, Moriarty is clever, very clever, and it would be a massive, massive spoiler for me to. Warlock Holmes, clever. <laughs> I never would have expected it. Um, that kind of unusual kind of thing as well. Like, yeah, is it new? It's not what you'd expect it, <gasps> but it works perfectly well. Oh, yay! So it's That's like, good. It sets him up as a nemesis, and you just sit there going, oh, no, I see what they're doing there. Okay. And he's like, oh, well, I would remind you that Moriarty is a curse, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, right, okay. And then you get towards the end, and it, you just flip the page, and it does that thing. Where there was a, it's got plates, by the way. It's got illustrations. You see the illustration at the back, Ooh, and you go. Plates. And, the, and they're very much in the theme of the strand style illustrations. It's very cleverly done. You flip the page. It is a dun dun dun. dun, 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 dun. 
Sherlock Holmes will return in the, ba- in the Battle of Baskerville Hall in twenty seventeen. Darn you, darn you, G.S. Denning. <laughs> Did I enjoy this? Yeah, it's great fun. Um, it's silly. You will probably benefit really quickly if you love Sherlock Holmes. You'll adore it. Um, if you love Sherlock Holmes and magic, you'll adore it. If you love silly parodies, you'll adore it. It's not fair to call this a parody. It's a it's a riff off. The, the classics <laughs> and at this point everything else has been done um, when it comes you know we've, we've had modern day Sherlock we've had we've had Holmes we've had Sherlock Holmes versus Xenobites you know we, we, we're getting to the point where almost the, all the various variations have been done and I'm quite glad that we've had supernatural horror comedy done um, and done well supernatural horror comedy that's amazing <laughs> so yeah, um, I think coming up next thing. Did I enjoy it? Yes. Is it on Titan? Yes. Who wrote it? Jess Denning. Um, Can I just say that the ogre on the front cover is wearing a bowler hat, a tie, and Y fronts? Um, I think that that is a big insight Go into what you're doing. It's amazing. Characters in this actually, and the way they handle them as well is actually quite funny. But to an extent, that's quite quite true to many adaptations and homages isn't it like watson is generally the character isn't he like you you love him like even in basil the great mouse detective <laughs> you love him he's so good best adaptation one of the best adaptations since sherlock before before sherlock it was basil the great mouse i love it sit toby it's the best i, I kind of wish they'd done more young sherlock holmes but it flopped i liked young mm. sherlock holmes i liked that uh, I remember watching it all the time when I was little, mm, like, just yeah. every weekend it seemed to be on telly, and then I completely forgot it existed, and it was on a few years ago, and when your head goes, I remember everything, I can still do this almost line line for line. Um, yeah, it, Young Sherlock Holmes was a lovely, a lovely thing. I think the, the, guy who, the, the guy who plays Young Sherlock Holmes looks a bit like the guy who plays Kylo Ren in Star Wars, Force Awakens. Uh, it's n- clearly not, obviously, because like, yeah. like, years have passed. Yeah, you say because that that is that Sorry, is how old many years now. Some. Did you just say the word thirty? Some. Oh. I don't think it's quite no, thirty, no, but no, it is God, not no. far off. It was. It was surely late eighties, early nineties. No. No, 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 no. It must have been though. Unfortunately, darling, just based on my age. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think we're far off. Let, let's not go, get into the. Not that depressing, though. Yes, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, everybody. Let's talk to. Is this look. book out now? Yeah, it will be out in May. Oh, okay. So let's let's skip ahead and talk to a lovely author. This is Fab Radio International. Across the world. 24 hours a day. This is Fab Radio International. So, uh, we were very lucky enough to catch up with a lovely author, so um, here's the interview. This is Fab Radio International. Daniel Godfrey, welcome to the Bookweb. Hi, thanks for having me. So, what's New Pompeii about? 
Well, uh, New Pompeii is set in a uh, near-future world where the technology exists to transport people and objects from the distant past into the present. It's uh, one direction only. No one can go backwards in time. And a corporation uses the technology to transport the ancient population of Pompeii out of the path of the erupting Vesuvius and into a replica city. So why do they do this? Well, the company says it's to create a historical research facility, something to balance up against all the controversy surrounding the time travel tech. Um, as you might imagine, um, a company having the ability to transport people through time uh, immediately triggers a lot of conspiracy theories. Uh, we're introduced to these real-life Romans through the eyes of uh, Nick Horton, a historian, who soon realises there's something odd about why he's been recruited to work at New Pompeii and that everyone may be seriously underestimating the people who once ruled an empire. It's uh, my first novel, and it's out in June from Titan Books. So why did you decide to make a historian the protagonist? Um, well, I, I needed somebody who understood both the modern world and somebody who thought he understands the ancient world. Um, Nick's somebody who likes to pick things apart and find out what's happening. His... Uh, Remitted in New Pompeii is basically to advise um, the company behind New Pompeii to find mistakes, to look for problems. Um, so he's a, he's, a, he's a natural choice to be brought into the company as a sort of historical advisor. How close to the idea of Jurassic Park is it? I think um, the um, my publisher has been uh, uh, talking about it as uh, Jurassic Park with gladiators. Um, I think it sort of starts off in a similar sort of vein in, in the fact that you've got this um, facility with Romans inside it, but it's, uh, it's, it's very much not a theme park, and um, it, it veers away from Jurassic Park um, quite, quite quickly into, into new territory. Why are we obsessed with time travel? I think it just it gives you that. I think if you walk around Pompeii, for instance, you you almost feel like you've gone backwards in time. It's such a well-preserved site. There's a, there's another uh, interesting site further down the uh, coast called Herculaneum, which is even more remarkable. There they've got um, carbonized woods, and there's there's a particular bar where the the price of the wine is still on a poster that's outside the. Uh, outside the uh, tavern you can really get a sense of being there and I think that sort of um, thought about what it would be like to live in a, in, a, in a different time whether that be the past or the future is uh, is endlessly intriguing. Should we expect to see even a whiff of Frankie Howard? Uh, no I, 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 I've done quite a lot of um, uh, research on on the on the on the Romans what I what I didn't want to end up with was um, characters who felt like they were um, uh, caricatures in, in in tunics so hopefully what I've uh, created is a is a is a cast of authentic Romans that you feel could have been transported through time to the present day given the weight of history do people really change I think um, people people's basic motivations are generally um, the same people like to get up get on in life they like to do well for both themselves and their families I think the context of the culture can be quite different and it, it maybe sets constraints on what we cannot can't do as individuals and um, sets uh, boundaries around individual behaviours but I, I don't think people fundamentally change, no Why did? Why is New Pompeii your debut novel? 
I've been writing for a long time. Um, I, was, I was actually digging through um, uh, my uh, uh, list of rejection letters of, uh, a few weeks ago for something, and I think the first one was dated 1995. Um, okay. I tried to do uh, several things, had a, long, had a long break from writing, came back to things, and uh, I was basically dusting off a time travel um, short story that I'd written quite a long time ago, and at the same time I was reading about um, ancient Rome, and the two things sort of clicked in my clicked in my brain that there was a, maybe a way of doing something that was um, unusual, maybe hadn't been um, done quite as often as the uh, go back to Pompeii, finishing with the volcano. The volcano is very much the starting point of my story rather than the finish. Why do so many story paths lead to Rome? Well, I think um, ancient Rome just contains such a vast array of interesting stories and historical characters, you know, from the from the fall of the Republic to the rise of empire, Antony and Cleopatra, the mad emperors, the gladiators, even the fall of civilization and into the Dark Ages. Um, as you say, clearly I'm not alone in this. Uh, Rome is, is used as a, a direct influence on a lot of science fiction, whether that be to model ancient uh, alien civilizations on or use more directly in time travel or alternative history settings. I think there's something fascinating about it. I think, I think the characters are fascinating, particularly that early, the early uh, Julio-Claudian emperors, um, the, the family of, of Augustus, and how how things changed. That was that was portrayed so well, but in the TV series *I Claudius*, um, uh, it gives you something to go on that is both the personal family, but also the wide the wider empire that goes all the way from Britain. And down to Egypt. Talking of I, Claudius, did he have Brian Blessed in mind when you were writing New Pompeii? Uh, not, no, not, not particularly. <laughs> As I say, I wanted to create a, a good suite of, of characters that could, could drive, the, drive the story forward. What's next? I've got a, a, a number of um, uh, different ideas for stories. I'm well on with a, um, uh, a sequel um, for Titan, um, to follow on from from New Pompeii, and we've got a few ideas on the back burners, but we'll see how how New Pompeii is, is received, and then we'll we'll sort of take it from there. I think. If you yourself could travel back in time, which period would you want to go back in time to? Well, I think it's uh, from the book Pompeii would be number one. It, it, maybe a slightly more interesting. My other um, uh, area of history that I'm particularly interested in is um, uh, Tsarist Russia. Um, so anywhere, anywhere from about 1880 onwards, I'd quite like to see um, what was happening um, in Russia leading up to the up to the revolution. It seems quite a, another interesting um, imperial setting where you've got a, a an interesting family at the centre of it, where where things are starting to go wrong. And whilst you're on your jaunt through time and space, uh, if you happen to uh, bump into the 16-year-old version of yourself for, say, only a couple of minutes, what would you say to yourself? Um, maybe you'd probably be more confident, carry on writing. Um, yeah, I think that's probably it. <laughs> what, if, you, um, if you got to only save one book until the stars went out, until all human civilization collapsed... What would that book be? Um, if it could be non-fiction, I think I'd choose Oliver Sacks, um, the man who mistook his wife for a hat. 
Um, I don't know if you know, but it's a, it's a collection of case studies about uh, brain function and how uh, messages from each of our senses can be interpreted or misinterpreted and how we perceive the world. I think it's it's really interesting and I think it, it shows how delicate our view of the world really is. Um, some very silly questions to finish off, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, Simpsons or Futurama? Uh, Simpsons, but I will say I've not seen. Um, I sort of stopped watching it. You know, the the nineties Simpsons. I I thought were very very funny. <laughs> Romans or Russians? Uh, Romans. And finally, truth or beauty? Uh, truth every time. Daniel Godfrey, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. This is Fab Radio International. Hello, everybody. Um, so, yeah, you're listening to The Beckwam on Fab Radio International. Um, Ed has already spoken to you about a book, and now I'm going to talk to you about a different book. Um, I know. Um, so today I'm talking about Rant by um, Chuck Palahniuk. Um, it's, uh, well, the copy I have is vintage. It's potentially not being published by vintage anymore because my copy is coming up to no my copy is over 10 years old so you're pu- um, the publisher is vintage but it's also 10 years old yeah exactly it's one of those things where it, it, it was vintage it potentially still is vintage but but who knows because um, yeah the copyright for this is 2007 so this is this book is like 9 years old now um, so yeah, just a little deviation already before I even start so that's the sort of mood I'm in today listeners um, I suppose Firstly, before I even get into the book, I know one of the things I often talk about um, on this show is how I know that I say things a certain way, but I don't know how other people say them. And it was only when I was putting my notes together for this that I realised that I've never heard anyone in the know say Palahniuk. I've always just called him Chuck Palahniuk, but the only people who, when I was like in love with these stories, who were whoever I spoke about with them were people like me so for all I know his name is not pronounced Palaniuk and I've just been saying it wrong for a very long time you see I have no idea because I'm no. notorious at getting the uh, names wrong we we were when we relaunched the show we were going to do a thing where we sat down and did like a lot of difficult to pronounce names <laughs> yeah uh, as a piece um, and but Palaniuk is not one of the ones I've researched no so let me research that I would assume because it's the R is A-H which suggests to me the Pilar um, and Neuk is just how I'd say that phonetically, but yeah, the, already a very interesting discussion. <laughs> We're not even talking about the book yet. At, at, least, <laughs> at least it's not the quantum thief. <laughs> don't ask me. I don't to want to. <laughs> but you get it all the time, don't you? Like, um, I say China Mayville, but one of my friends says China Myville. Oh. Um, and I'm sure that I know someone who says China Melville. I say China, as well. China Melville. You say China Melville, is it you? So it's like, it's... But that's because he writes big, thick tombs, and I immediately <laughs> associate it with, um, with, with, with another Melville. Uh, so <laughs> Excellent. Like... But it's, it's really, it is really interesting that when it comes to books, because they're not... Because, like, on TV, you hear people say stuff, but books, you read it, and you create your own 
um, words. Um, when I reviewed The Magician's Guild, me and Ninfa had a conversation about the fact that we both say the protagonist's name completely different. Like, she, she says Sonia, I say Sonia. Um, it was really, yeah, very interesting. Um, but anyway, sorry everyone, the book. <laughs> um, anyone who is not familiar with Chuck Palahniuk, um, the story that you have probably heard of is Fight Club. Um, Chuck Palahniuk wrote the novel for which the film Fight Club is based. They're both called Fight Club. Um, you can have many discussions and you're going to get very varying opinions as to whether the film is a good adaptation or not. Um, but I thought the first rule of Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just talking about the novel, <laughs> not the thing. <laughs> anyway. Oh, dear. Um... So, uh, yeah, Ed is doing a, a clever joke um, about Fight Club. Um, to be honest, most people, I think, have seen Fight Club. Maybe maybe not people who were very young in the early 2000s, because I don't know if it's reached the the current teen generation. Um, but if you, if you haven't seen Fight Club, watch it. It is brilliant. If you haven't read it, read it. It is different. Um... But if you if you are familiar with Fight Club, Chuck Palahniuk kind of has. It's not a theme that runs through everything, but those sort that sort of story is quite representative of what he creates. Um, there is generally a protagonist where something kind of there's dark aspect to them, um, whether that is their life or just their 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 being. Um, and we learn about something that is outside of what we'd normally get in fiction. Um, there's a certain amount of angst in all of his stories. And I don't mean angst in like a teen way, but I think that's why it appealed to me when I was younger, because I was so angsty and I didn't know why. Um, so, like, for example, most of my Chuck Palahniuk reading was when I was at uni um, and after graduating in my early 20s. These stories were fantastic and they weren't like anything I'd read before. Um, Rant is a similar format um well a similar kind of idea sorry the format of rant is actually very different to a lot of other things that i've read um in this book we learn about buster casey otherwise known as rant the book is basically put together the way a documentary would be so you know how in documentaries you move from theme to theme and various people are then interviewed and they weigh in um on various questions but then when when you're dealing with the theme in the documentary, you use the parts of those interviews to create the information around that theme. Um, and that's what we have here constantly. Um, so each chapter has an idea and then we get lots of people telling us about, about that. Um, the reason why Rant is being dissected, I suppose, by all these people is that um, Rant may or may not be the catalyst. Um, well, the, the, the blurb of the book puts it, Rant may or may not be the, the most effective serial killer on the planet. <laughs> um, but yeah, Rant may or may not be the catalyst for a super virus that is slowly <laughs> wiping out humanity. Um and yeah and we learn about it in um well we learn about him but not linear there's bits where we talk about his childhood and we learn about a bit a bit about him as an adult and then as a child and, and things but it's all building us towards this this same picture um 
Ran is absolutely covered in scars, loads and loads of scars. And the reason for that, we find out, is like to do with when he was a kid. And when he was a kid, he would worry. He would worry animals. He would put his hand down holes because um, he lived like in the middle of nowhere, like kind of deep country. His hand down holes um, that he knew weren't rabbit holes. He'd get bit by kind of uh, horrible animals um, ranging from like possums to snakes to spiders. He had rabies like every other week. Um, and bit by bit, he's basically building up a tolerance to all these things um, and he becomes yet yeah, tolerant to rabies. It's not, it's absolutely not an issue for him anymore. Um, insect venom isn't, doesn't do anything because he's, he's been bit by that many things. Um, and yeah, and that's, that's already quite an odd character yeah. to have at the start of your, as your kind of main thing. Um, some snake ven venoms aren't things that you get better from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has, he has some close run-ins uh, a few times. Um, but we already kind of, we've, we're already getting this idea of not a typical person simply because like surely you shouldn't just become tolerant to, to venoms and like rabies um, <laughs> um, and then so we learn about Rant and his childhood um, and then eventually as Rant gets a bit older he leaves the country and he moves to the city and then you learn about this world and you've been thinking while you're reading that we, we're in the world that we know um, but actually we're not um, and he gets to the city and all of a sudden these little symbols that you've seen next to each person's name make sense because when you've been reading it because we've been hearing about loads of voices there'll be a name and there'll be a little sun or a little moon and we now live in a world where the cities are so overcrowded you have um curfews and you are either a night what is oh, how do they term it a night dweller i think i want but that doesn't feel right um see if i can find that just says childhood friend that's not helpful and that says car salesman <laughs> oh, when you need things and it doesn't it just doesn't help um unfortunately yeah i can't actually remember the name which sure. is really frustrating but essentially there is a little sun or a little moon next to everybody's name and we live in a world now where the cities are so overpopulated that you are either night or you are day and if you are night you are only allowed out of your house at night time and if you are day you are only allowed out of your house at daytime. So the world still works, it's just that we now work on a 24 hour activity, jobs are just constant, like there's never a point where an office isn't open just because some people will be working at it at the night time. Um, and you some people yeah they get allocated but you can also volunteer so some people have chosen to be night um over day um when rant gets to the city he chooses night time but everybody can tell that he's not been night for long because he's got a tan <laughs> which is very interesting and so just we start to build up this really interesting idea of this this world this our world but obviously not um so it, it potentially in the future um but the gang that he starts hanging out with he gets into something um called party crashing which is sort of like an urban demolition derby where people get in their cars and they drive around with the sole intention of having car crashes but there's a secret radio message that goes out before before a party crashing <coughs> event that tells you how to decorate your car 
so then you know that you're only going to crash with a car that is also a party crasher so you're not endangering mm. other people um so i think like one of them is something like you have to put a christmas tree on top of your car but it's also how you find the people who aren't actually party crashers and who are like trying to get into it and are newbies um or are just like posing because they tend to put on their cars the thing that was at the last event and so they get avoided but there's this really lovely like honor in it all um there's a really lovely bit where there's a car that is clearly dying and it's not going to have a decent crash with anyone and they're like oh they've actually just taken the car out for its last party and so they give it like a mercy crash (laughs) exactly and we're going oh at the idea of a recreational sport based around (laughs) traffic collisions (laughs) um it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I'm kind of like, why, why on earth are they crashing the cars in the first place? I think it's like because the people who are like nighttime are already a bit quirky. Um, and the, like I said, it really plays into this idea of like teen angst. Um, even though none of them are teenagers. Um, but it's the thrill, I think, and the adrenaline. And you because you're in that situation, I think it's, it's, it's like a more dangerous version of roller coasters because they, you don't have that safety factor yeah, okay no I, I see that I'm terrified mm. by it it's very that, that sounds so this was written in the 80s no this came out in 2007 wow I know this was one of the the later oh ones for when I loved him I know um, so this is by the time Rant was written we already had Fight Club Lullaby Choke um, Survivor was already written um, but I want to say it's before Monsters um, Rant was the first one where the, the the book covers changed and they didn't use the, the previous book cover format. Um, it's absolutely brilliant. To be honest, while we are learning all these things about him and the world and the, like trying to understand how this person may be thought of to be the kind of main serial killer in, on the planet, um, a lot of it is about learning about his relationships. He loves his mum so much and you get that so quickly. His dad hates him. It's not just a little boy that doesn't understand his dad or doesn't get on with his dad. Him and his like his dad hates him, and it's really obvious. Everybody knows. His mum and his dad have a really odd relationships. Re- really odd relationship. Rant has a very interesting relationship with with a lot. To be honest, with most people in his hometown, um, but uh, especially all the women, including the mums of his friends. Um, but it's Chuck Palahniuk, um, and he goes to the city he gets a girlfriend it's we learn so much about him but i think the relationships are the interesting thing that are a byproduct of learning about this story um if you have a early 20s late teen into interesting things um i would recommend it um maybe i'd recommend a different planiac first i think it's a really good one if you've already read some of his work so you've got an idea of who he is and it's it's like a standout then i think if you started with rant some of them then may look a bit see uh, i don't recommend fight club for a certain age of male and that's because when the movie came out the amount of chaps that i knew who were in their late 20s early 30s who would just go on and on about it oh yeah and they were just like oh this is a revelation it's like that would be interesting if it had you read more widely 10 years ago yeah now you're just being a bit boring so i, I, <laughs> I would say with fight club it's a great book to read as a teenager because mm-hmm. he'll just pick it up read it and go that's an interesting worldview and then yeah you know pick up a lot of travels maybe you know <laughs> 
pick up another another book that you know, or we or whatever you know. There's like a sexual aggressive tendency in all of his books, so I think that's definitely something to to look out for. But yeah, rant Chuck Palahniuk from Vintage. It is it is brilliant. Goodbye for me. And I'm Dal. Goodbye, everybody. The Bookworm is a truly outrageous production for Fab Radio International and Starburst magazine. Presented by Ed Fortune and Rebecca Denning. Produced by Anne Davis.